We all need to escape reality sometimes. Some people read, some people paint, some people make videos. But for Randy Stare, he took his frustrations a little too far. This is the case of Randy Stare, the Danny Phantom Killer. Welcome to Enter the Dark. Hello and welcome to Enter the Dark. I am Jan from Film Daddy. With me as always is Les from Tales from the Hangman. Les! You alright? How's it going? I'm alright, yeah, I'm good. Good, good. Right, so um, once again, thank you to all our new subscribers. If you are new, hello, if this is your first time, hiya. Hiya. Hit that subscribe button if you like this stuff and go watch all our other videos. As many of you have been telling me, You've been binge-watching lots of our videos, and you've enjoyed them, and then you've subscribed. That's awesome. Do that, because, you know, just hit that button, it helps us out, and then you can just ignore us for the rest of your life if you wish to. Or you could watch the videos, that's always good. So, yeah, we've got news. We have, as you all know from before, we've got the Patreon up now. We have got a few members of the Sick Fuck family now, so this is pretty cool. Um, You'll see their names at the end of the thing, the video, the thing. The thing. This thing we are creating. And um, also now we have got merch. Yes. I am wearing one right now. And Les is very happy because it features a picture he drew. Yeah, I drew this. I've done this with my hands. And it's really cool. It says, enter the dark. And underneath it says, two guys, true crime, inappropriate humour. Which is awesome. Which is what we got. And also on the back... Because I love the 90s. It's got a back print. It just says enter the dark. So yeah, um, the link is up now through the magic of editing. Um, so if you want to go there, just um, have a look. We've got t-shirts, there's long sleeve shirts, kids shirts, women's shirts, tank tops. There's even face masks you can get to keep yourself safe. Um, but yeah, go have a look. Um, we've got all that shit. Anyway, enough of me selling my wares after I said I don't want to try and profiteer during a pandemic. <laughs> I mentioned Patreon, buy our shit. Um, we've got a good one today. Ooh. We've got Randy Stair, the Danny Phantom Killer. Danny Phantom, now that's a name. That's a good name, isn't it? Danny Phantom. It's a cartoon. You've never seen the Danny Phantom cartoon. You know, I've not. What was uh, that? It's cool. We'll get into it. Okay. Now... Warning, guys, you may cut yourself on how edgy this guy is, because he is a bit of an edgelord. Ooh. Um, obviously, he was a confused young man, we'll get into that, but he was a bit of an edgelord. I'm not going to shy away from the fact. He was 24 and living with his parents. Oh, that's immediate, like, that's that's immediate cultivation of the edgelord, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, he was also um, a failed YouTuber, so keep subscribing, guys. <laughs> please we're not 20 though like are we we're yeah. in our 30s so it's all good I'm, so. I'm 40 next year Jesus Christ I know it's crazy anyway so sit back enjoy and let me paint the scene for you you ready ready it's just gone past midnight it's June the 8th 2017 you're in Eaton Township Pennsylvania you're there now aren't you I'm there yeah Pennsylvania yeah so it's like most summer nights in this small Wyoming county town. And there's only 1,500 people who live there. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it's dead fucking quiet. Most people are in their sleep, there, except for a few people who are working at nights in the local businesses. One of these businesses is a Vice Markets grocery store. 
a regional chain with several stores in the Mid-Atlantic region. I don't right. know. I don't know where that is. I'm not American. Mid-Atlantic. Was Mid- it West Coast? That'd be West Coast. Uh, I don't care. No. Uh, it's. I'm going to say middle. It says Mid-Atlantic. So I just imagine it to be like dusty. Ah, uh, yeah, Wyoming. I imagine it being dusty with lots of mountains and stuff. Yeah. Cowboys. It's not fucking Red Dead, is it? No. Anyway, so there's only five people working in the market, and they're restocking the items, cleaning the store, and all that good stuff. One of these workers was 24-year-old Randy Stare. That's not something Les gives to me all the time. That's his name, Randy Stare. It's just my normal look. Somebody did mention in the videos where, um, for the Patreon and the thank you videos, um, someone mentioned, why is Les giving the rape eyes? But just my normal eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very virile man. You like re- how you like Howard Moon in the Mighty Boosh, the eyes of a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I won't rape you. I'll just cuddle you really hard. Oh god. Anyway, so yeah, Randy Stair, he's twenty four, he's tall, he's lanky, he's got semi long blonde hair. So he arrived for his shift at 11 p.m., started doing all his duties, stocking the shelves, and he'd done it for the last seven years he'd worked there. So you can kind of see, you know, he's stuck in his ways, small town. Not not going anywhere, really. However, that night, he had something different in mind for his shift. Within a few minutes of clocking in, he first went to the crew area of the store and blocked the emergency exit before returning to the floor to continue stocking. Around 12.20am, he went to the back room and began moving several pallets of merchandise in front of the exits. He then moved his car, a grey 2013 Hyundai Sonata, in front of the exit for the bakery section of the store, blocking the doors from being opened. In addition to this, he grabbed a bag out of his car and changed out of his work uniform. Instead of the usual red polo and khaki pants he had to wear, he donned a black cargo pants and a white shirt emblazoned with the phrase, It's our time to rise along with a black beanie and black face paint around his eyes. <laughs> Are you thinking edgy? It's the cargo pan? Yeah, jump and t- the jump fucking t- beanie? Yeah, jump tell you how edgy that It's Our Time to Rise is. Go on. It's what the Columbine killer said. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Did he have a fucking one of them soul spots? Is that what they're called? No, yeah, them weird soul patches. Soul no, patches. No. But he, was, he loved... The Columbine. We'll get into it, but yeah. That's just the start of the edginess. Hope no one cut themselves. Afterwards, he returned to the entrance of the store and locked the automatic main doors. He then opened the bag, which contained two loaded 12-gauge Mossberg 500 pistol grip shotguns and proceeded onto the floor of the store. The first person he encountered was Terry Sterling. He was 63 years old. He shot him in the torso before unloading several more shells into him as he fell. He then ran into Brian Hayes, age 47, and he killed him too. Victoria Brung, who was 26, was lying down in another aisle, restocking shelves. She was engrossed in her tasks and wearing earbuds. Lying down? Yeah, you know, you bottom shelves. you got to push stuff to the back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't hear the shotgun blast that killed him, Brian and Terry, because she had a music on that load. She didn't hear Randy approach her from behind either. He shot her in the head and back multiple times, destroying her head and instantly killing her. With only a few minutes, three of the four workers were dead. The remaining worker, Kristen Newell, was in the same aisle as Victoria and was busy labelling products. 
She was also wearing headphones and didn't hear the initial shots. However, she did turn around and see Randy kill Victoria. After killing Victoria, Randy chose to spare her for some reason. According to Kristen, Randy stared at her for a few seconds before wordlessly walking away to another aisle. Kristen took this opportunity to flee the store through one of the exits that Randy had neglected to block. Fucking schoolboy error, that. Yeah. She later reported hearing multiple gunshots as she was fleeing. At 12.44am, she called the Wyoming County Sheriff's Office to report the shooting. At this point, the store was void of living people other than Randy. The CCTV footage showed him that after Kristen fled, he walked aimlessly around the store taking potshots at various merchandise. He also fired on some propane tanks hoping they would explode, but nothing happened. Afterwards, he went to the deli section of the store and placed a shotgun in his mouth. He fired, killing him instantly and destroying most of his head and face. I mean, a fucking shotgun will do it. It will. Police arrived soon after and found the three victims' bodies plus Randy's. They swept the store for any additional victims, but found none. One of the arriving officers observed two propane tanks in Randy's car and as a result requested the bomb squad to clear it. However, it turned out the tanks were not rigged to explode. After determining the scene was no longer active, authorities began their investigation. Forensic technicians found that a total of 59 shots had been fired during the shooting, with Randy reloading at least seven times. They also found that despite carrying two shotguns, only one was actually used in the shooting. Get into that as well, because he made a lot of videos describing what he was going to do, why he was doing it. He even named the shotguns. Rachel and Mackenzie. We'll get to why. Even though he was gruesomely disfigured by the shotgun blast, authorities quickly identified Randy as the shooter based on the information found in his wallet and car. Based on this information, Pennsylvania State Police executed a search warrant at Randy's parents' house at 1632 Ransom Road in Dallas, Pennsylvania, where Randy had been living. In addition to finding hundreds of shotgun shells and shooting gear, authorities also seized Randy's computer, phone and several flash drives. What they found on it would show a long downward spiral as Randy went from a relatively normal kid to a cold-blooded suicidal killer. So, Randy Stare. Right. He was born the 17th of September 1992 in Pennsylvania. Despite being named Randy, because no one wants to be named Randy, he preferred to be called Andrew Blaze. Blazer. Laser. <laughs> Teaser. <laughs> Maconsigulary. Michel. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to coat you. You've got the scent of a lesser stag in your nostrils. Well, you joke, Mr. Jokey. <laughs> How dare you disturb me in my personal reflection time? <laughs> the ball's a metaphor. That really happened, though. <laughs> Grabbing the bull by the horns. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah, so he preferred to be called Andrew Blaze or just Andrew. He was born into a middle-class family that resided in the suburb of Dallas, Pennsylvania, and by all accounts, his childhood was normal. A document on Randy's computer titled Andrew Blaze, Early Years Information, 
described as elementary in middle school years. According to Randy, he was fairly average, although he was a bit of a loner and pretty much only had one real friend during these years. He did mention that he was bullied in middle school, but downplayed it and claimed it wasn't a big issue. He wrote, Middle school was when I really started to heat up and envision hurting the people in my class, such as Eric Waters. He'd steal shit from my lunch and then give it back because I didn't show any resistance. This kid doesn't even care, haha, he joked. So, that one friend he had. To research this, I've had to watch so many of this dude's videos and read his fucking diary and stuff. And he's he had a friend who was into animation too. And then um, he, like, they were going through middle school, they were friends. And this guy, they started hanging out less and less because this guy got a girlfriend. Right. And Randy said wasn't like I was in love with him, but it hurt. I think the last conversation I ever had with him was telling him someone won a basketball game. That was it. He was pissed off because these two would make films together and shit. And um, then this guy basically dumped him for a girl. So it's standard kid stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So one of the things he was interested in was filmmaking and animation. Like many young people, or 30-something People who Do you got bored of family life. He craved the attention and hoped that his YouTube channel would give him this. Sorry. <laughs> Most of the videos on his channel were random and nondescript and generally comedy orientated. Although initially not having much success, he did get a taste of it in 2010 when he did a crossover video with Make Me Bad 35, who was a popular YouTuber at the time. Oh, well, like, when was this again? 2010. Oh, so that's that's early days YouTube, yeah. isn't it? The video titled Mr. Horsehead Meets Mr. Wooden Alligator garnered 120,000 views and gave Randy his first taste of internet fame. Wow. He even got a shout-out from famous YouTuber Ray William Johnson in 2011. So, you know, who's, he's... Who's that? I don't know. Back at YouTube, 2010. Don't ask me. This is, is this pre-PewDiePie? Been PewDiePie been doing it for a while. I don't know. I don't. Watch, I don't watch PewDiePie either. Don't watch that shit. Anyway, I, I mean, I love his numbers, but no. Yeah, I don't yeah. watch it. Yeah, he's obviously a talented bloke. That's not a stab at you, PewDiePie. It's as if PewDiePie is going to be fucking watching this. I like to think that, like, maybe he is like low key, and he's just like shed a tear, like bastards. He wouldn't. He'd be there, like, wiping it up on fucking hundred dollar bills. He wouldn't care. <laughs> Don't give a shit about me, PewDiePie. Anyway. (laughs) After this, he would try again and again and again to repeat the success with similar videos, but this fame never materialised. He also made a second YouTube channel called Fat Ass that attempted to parody the stunts done on the TV series Jackass. However, this was also met with little attention because nobody else was doing that, were they? No. And at this time, what like sort of jackasses, the popularity was petering out a bit. Oh, by fuck then. yeah. Wasn't it just like jackass? What that was like late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah. Dirty Sanchez was better anyway. Yeah. Anyway, this theme we've never been able to find something that attracted a substantial audience was something that would be a recurring phenomenon. In Randy's life. Between 2011 and 2013, Randy tried to become a streamer on YouTube and other streaming platforms. Like his previous endeavours, this garnered no attention. 
and he would spend several hours live streaming to an audience of zero people and just talking to himself, essentially. Now, I do this with my son. Like, my son, he's like 30 now. He hasn't done it for a couple of years, but he used to, when he was like 11, play a game on the PS4 and stream it to his YouTube channel. And I always felt bad because no one would be watching it. So I'd always watch it. And I always say to you, once at work mm-hmm. and a few other people, can you just put this on and mute it in the background so he's got numbers on there? So, you know, he thought people were watching and stuff like that. You know, so I do kind of feel bad for the guy because it's like if we were, like, the other week when we put the Dnipro thing out and I was like, yeah, we're going to have a premiere. And I was like, oh, shit, what happens if nobody comes? And, you know, we had a few people there and it was cool. We were chatting, but I was like... Oh, God, imagine if I just chatted to myself. This would be really depressing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But um, I kind of feel sorry for him with that. You know, he's trying to be a streamer. And it just go, does go to show that, you know... It does have an effect on you. It like, does have an effect on you. Like, on my other channel, like, like when I upload something... Because it ain't that popular, my other channel. Like, <laughs> it's not. Like, let's be honest. But like when you upload something and you think, yeah, this is going to be the one. Then you're like, oh, 50 views, 50 views. Thanks, guys. So anyway, it was after these failures that cracks started to show in Randy. Most of the content he produced became more of somber and dark instead of comedic. He often complained that YouTube was no longer enjoyable like it had been during the early years and that his dream of having it as a career was unlikely to come to fruition. It was around this time that his content shifted completely away from comedy and live streaming towards something else much more bizarre. That bizarre thing was Danny Phantom fan fiction, specifically known as EGS. So, sorry, we've got fireworks going off. After that, or the ghost of Randy stared as being edgy <laughs> outside with bombs. Um, EGS or Ember's Ghost Squad, as Randy called it, was a drastic departure from the content he'd produced regularly online. Although many of his viewers thought that this new shift was laughably bad, given that it revolved around a secondary character from a Nickelodeon TV show. Randy became wholly dedicated to this new shift, so he threw himself in 100%. He created an entire online presence for it, including separate YouTube channels, an Instagram page, a Facebook page, a wiki, and nine Twitter accounts. Wow, we really did go balls deep, didn't we? Yeah. So with these Twitter accounts, he would roleplay as various members of the EGS and would reply to himself, as well as retweet and favourite his own tweets. What is Danny Phantom? So basically, Danny Phantom is a cartoon where I think... I don't. Danny's alive, and I think it's some, he can see ghosts. And there's a phantom dimension. So when you die, you go to the phantom dimension. Right. Okay. So the character that it's based on, Ember, was a secondary character. I think she was only in one or two episodes. Right. But he he wrote something in there before about Summit. He was in one of his diaries. Made him realise that it was his first crush on her and stuff, and. Um, he also wanted to become a woman, um, as in he was said he th- always thought he was born, should have been born a woman, and when he saw Amber, it confirmed to him that he should have been born a woman. He was like wrote all this stuff in his diaries and that. Right. So he claimed that the idea from the squad 
came from the dark stuff that had been going on in his life the past few years, including a car accident he got in and his isolation and his depression. So the poor lad's suffering badly from his mental health here. Yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, he's created an outlet for it. So EGS, it was centred around Ember McLean, character from Danny Phantom, and the ghost dimension, an alternate dimension in the show where people go after they die. According to Randy, ghosts in the EGS will seek out disturbed or suicidal people and cast a spell on them and recruit them into their ranks. So one of the weird aspects of this was no men were allowed to enter the squad because when you die, you transform into a female spirit. Right. This was, like I said there, he was the highlight that he struggled throughout his real life. His sexuality and gender identity. He started a journal in 2016 and stated that he hated his penis and believed he was born into the wrong body as punishment and was actually a girl. He also claimed that in the video, uh, ever since he was a preteen, he would cross-dress every Wednesday when his parents would go out bowling. Investigators even found Randy was wearing purple panties and a black bra under his clothing during the shooting. So, on this level, I feel really sorry for him. He's trapped in a small town. I do. No fucking colour coordination there. <laughs> I mean, it goes it goes together, black and purple does, but for fuck's sake, at least have matching underwear. Jesus Christ. Like, imagine that, like, if you end... I mean, that's fucking embarrassing for him, isn't it? They will have had to, like, take his kegs off and stuff, so they're going to see him in his bra and his his non-matching bra and underwear and be like, fucking hell. Ember McLean wore black and purple. Yeah, but her underwear... So... That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, so there you go. No, but no. What the fuck? You wear braces. No, not anymore. I don't need them now since I lost weight. But you wore braces because you were complaining about your big thighs. Well, they're not that big now. I did. That was necessity. (laughs) That was necessity. So it was a necessity for him. Maybe just like he was like, shit, me black pants aren't there. So I'll just have to wear this purple one while I go and kill myself and four other people. I mean, he obviously wasn't in his right mind, but fuck's sake. Anyway, but what I was saying was I feel sorry for him because he's clearly in a small town and he's struggling with depression and his sexuality and it's a gender identity thing and I feel sorry for him because he didn't have anyone to talk to about it. I mean, three years later in 2020, it's easier. It's a lot easier. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as say it's 100% accepted, is it? No. JK Rowling. Um, God, she's a fucking horrible woman, isn't she? She's turned out to be. It's like, yeah, but the clues were there. They are books about privilege. They are, aren't they? They're books about fucking privilege. But honestly, I didn't like Harry Potter anyway. And I hated people who wouldn't admit it was a kid's book that they enjoyed. It's like, no, no, it's not. It is. It's a child's book, but you can like it. I love reading One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish to my daughter, you know? And Cat in the Hat fucking love reading that it's a kid's book but i'm gonna say i enjoy it but it doesn't matter but now she's come out is this horrible transphobic piece of shit i'm like <laughs> where's your god now potter yeah. heads <laughs> i love all the people who are trying to transition onto like fucking twilight we need a new god now <laughs> it's like that whole Nietzschean thing of god is dead we have killed him <laughs> like <laughs> We've killed God because she had really fucking disgusting views on trans people. 
I mean, if you have got disgusting views on trans people, you know, you know, I hope you die. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so back to the subject. Yeah. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. No, no. Now you put it like that. Even though I don't agree with his underwear choice, but I see why. I see the logic, and I also feel sorry for him. Right. So anyway, your hair's purple. Yeah, I've dyed my hair purple. I had noticed earlier, but like, I just think it's more fitting now. And I also come, and I'm wearing a black t-shirt. Black t-shirt. Yeah, go on. Yeah, but no, that throw works. Me, throw at me. No, go that on, works. Go on. No, oh, that your works. Your hair doesn't suit that t-shirt. That, that works. It's different. It's different. I'll explain this some on some other occasion where I'm more lucid. You mean when you've had time to sit down and, and backtrack and, over everything? Yes. Like when you text me, can you cut that bit out of that thing there? Because I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Les can be a turf when he wants to anyway <laughs> he continued to build on the lore of EGS by making animation videos of it his videos took a darker turn and began to include material related to school shootings Oh, specifically the Columbine Massacre an event that Randy became infatuated with one of these videos was nearly 40 minute long animation video depicting EGS characters shooting up a high school titled The Westboro High Massacre. So he viewed this video as his magnum opus and spent a lot of time and money hiring animators and voice actors to participate in it. So he had trouble putting it together the way he envisioned it, leading to great frustration. He even recorded many videos of him driving around aimlessly in his car while ranting to the camera about his difficulties with the project. He also did a video where he sat down and complained about all these animators who said they'd help him and then they couldn't help him because he had other things to do. Yeah. So he, he sat down and slagged him off on a video. As 2016 near to a close, Randy became unhinged and according to his own words, began planning something big. He started making videos detailing his plans to commit some sort of shooting. His motivation for wanting to kill people, besides his anger at the world and his unfulfilling life, was as bizarre as his shitty YouTube content. So, basically, it revolved around him wanting to die in order for him to ascend to the ghost dimension, which he made up, so he could be reincarnated as a female spirit and a member of EGS. He made a video of himself flipping a quarter to decide where the shooting took place. If it was heads, he would do it at his house and kill his family. If it was tails, he would do it at the Vice Market grocery store he worked at, and it landed on tails. So... What I'm going to do is I've downloaded a lot of the videos and also his um, journal, which was his manifesto. So I will leave a Google Docs link in the description for you guys so you can watch the videos and stuff. You can see sort of a descent into madness. You know, this guy's reminding me of quite a bit. You. No, no. Chris Chan. Yes. Isn't it a bit similar? Mm. Like not. I mean, obviously, Chris Chan's not killed anyone yet. Um, not saying that he will. Could do. He could do. I mean, it could go either way. His life's fucking wild. Her life. Her life now, isn't it? Yeah. Christine Chan. Sorry to dead name you, Christine. Calm down, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Expelliarmus. Forgeticus. Forgeticus Nowicus. Fucking Harry Potter shit, isn't it? It really fucking is, yeah. Oh, God. I'm sorry, if you do like Harry Potter, that's fine. You know, I'm, 
I'm glad you enjoy it. And, you know, I hope... Sorry to go off on a tangent here. There's a girl who we work with. Um, shout out to Becky Shanton. Um, <laughs> and she's a big Harry Potter fan. And me and Les were talking about um, Dungeons and Dragons one day in Call of Cthulhu. And she was like, so what do you do? And I was like, well, we've got characters on paper. And, you know, you roll dice and you go through. And, the, and she was like, that's fucking stupid. And I was like, oh, it's cool, cool. And then... I almost got her into a game because I was like, oh, you can do that. And she was like, oh, my, I do. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years and um, she messages me on Facebook and says, do you want to take part in the house cup? And I was like, is this something to do with work? She was like, no, no, no. Basically, what we do is um, we separate people into different houses from like Slytherin, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. I know, yeah. Right. Um, I'll also tell you why one thing at a time, yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah. And she goes, and then we have to do different tasks and then you get awarded house points. And I went, so essentially role play. And she went, holy shit, this is like your Dungeons and Dragons, isn't it? And I went, yeah. And she was like, shit. But anyway, yeah. Also, I hate JK Rowling because in the labyrinth, Hoggle. Yeah. She calls him Hogwarts. Mm-hmm all the time and he's like it's horrible and um yeah she just ripped that off and she ripped loads of stuff off fuck you jk rowling she did dumbledore's a prick as well dumbledore's a fucking poor man's gandalf he is a poor man's fucking gandalf and they're both manipulative cunts let's not get into that you're less has got a theory that the wizards and stories are manipulative and one day one day one day one day when we can afford to do videos on stuff that aren't true crime related and serial killers. One, One day. day. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Um, yeah, so, flip the quarter, landed on tails, he's doing it at work. One of the first things he did in preparation for this massacre was purchase some guns. He first purchased an 8-shot 12-gauge pistol grip Mossberg 500 shotgun. Later on, he purchased the same gun, but the 6-shot model instead. He named his guns Rachel and Mackenzie after two members of the Ember Ghost Squad. Right. And he carved their names into his weapons. Um, there's one video where he is saying, like, Rachel McKenzie. The first gun was originally called McKenzie, but then he brought a second gun because he's like, things can go wrong, you need a backup. And then he was like, Rachel and McKenzie, no one will ever think of those names again. Honestly, he was so edgy. Um, but, yeah, honestly, watch the videos, guys. It's... I can't describe He's, yeah. the, how crazy he is in him. Due to his infatuation with Columbine, he wrapped duct tape around the handles of both guns as an homage to the duct tape wrapped shotgun Eric Harris used during the Columbine massacre. He also purchased 250 shells and recorded multiple videos of him practicing at an outdoor shooting range. Although he wasn't very accurate given that the guns selected were hard to control and they had a high amount of recoil. You'll see, he's not a very big lad. He's just like skinny and lanky and fucking those are high powerful guns. So despite being normally quiet and morose, his demeanor in his videos did seem joyful at times and he gleefully described how he couldn't wait to do it and was anxiously anticipating carrying out his massacre. It's getting to the point where I just want to be here already. Every time I look at that picture of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, the guys who did Columbine, and it was the suicide picture. I just want it to be here already, he said. 
He even went to say on um, in another video that he was anticipating how powerful he would feel to have his co-workers' lives in his hands and how no one could stop him. Additional videos were found in his manifesto were upwards of two hours long and entailed him discussing in depth how he would do the attack, including how he would barricade the exits. Other videos entailed him walking around the store with footage to, of the interior so he could strategically plan his shooting. He's putting a lot... I know he's putting a lot of thought into it, but he's planning this fucking pretty much meticulously here. Yeah. In his journal, he also wrote about which of his co-workers he would take pleasure in killing, such as his boss, Victoria Brong. He claimed he would destroy her head. And he also mentioned in regards to Brian Hayes that he would kill him the quickest since he didn't want him to suffer. Apparently, he'd been through a lot already. Right. And so he was just going to kill him and get it over with. Makes so sense. He suffer. Yeah. It makes sense in some sort of weird, twisted way. Yeah. The last two videos in his manifesto addressed to his parents gave more insight into the rationale behind the attacks and what events set this horrific plan in motion. Despite Randy's bizarre online behaviour, his parents had been unaware anything was wrong with their son. They did know he was a loner and he didn't have many friends, but they thought this was normal since he's never acted out and he's got a stable job. In one of the video, he claims that the EGS recruits spoke to him in his head and encouraged him to do it, although he claimed he wasn't schizophrenic. Right. So now we've got here a boy who's obviously suffering from depression, suffering torment through his sexuality and also his gender identity and could possibly be schizophrenic. Quite a laundry list there. He also goes on to explain the whole concept behind EGS since his parents were unaware of his YouTube channel and online presence. Additionally, he also vented his issues with his transsexuality and seemed angry that his parents never noticed it was something he struggled with. In the same video, he also describes his obsession with school shootings, specifically his fascination with the famous picture of Eric and Dylan's suicide. The series of videos highlighted a heap of buried animosity Randy held towards his parents, specifically his dad. In one of the videos, he said, I'm your fucking kid and you don't know anything about me or how I feel. One of the biggest issues Randy had with his father was that his dad had been pushing him to get an actual full-time job so he could move out of their house, given he was nearly 25. He goes on to say that he could have easily blown your goddamn head off, but then says he didn't want to because he wanted his father and mother to suffer the pain and shock of their child being a mass murderer. So I've got a picture there, as you can see, of part of his diary. Um, it will be up and you can see it's like a lot of his diary is like this, but there. Uh, put my dad is a worthless faggot. I buy a shotgun, quite possibly the manliest thing I've ever brought in my life. When my mum told him, he said, a shotgun? What the hell does he need that for? Kiss my fucking ass. I wasn't there when she told him, but fuck off. Want to know I'll be 100% um, extra happy when I'm dead? Because I'd be in a thousand dimensions away from you. Now, when I told you about this guy at first, I was like, dude, we've got this fucking intel edge lord. And we were laughing, but now it's sort of... I'm really... Fe I'm, yeah, he's very not tragic. Sorry, not sorry that he... Sorry for him because, you know, he killed three innocent people. But this just goes to show us, everyone listening, the child in the room next door that's coughing. Sweet dreams. You know, it goes to show that if you harbour these sort of issues and you don't speak about them yeah, and like things, it can lead to something 
fucking horrific. Yeah, like if you repress all these emotions. Yeah. Like, so just just talk to somebody. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, he continued to fly under the radar as he finished planning his massacre. Um, on the night of the shootings, right before he started blocking off the exits, he made one final post on his Twitter account stating, Goodbye, humans. I'll miss you. He then emailed and tweeted multiple links to the manifesto videos and journal, which were labelled journal, suicide tapes, and digital set. He then also emailed one of the voice actors he recruited to help with his animations, Laura Faverty, and thanked her for her help and told her by the time she finished reading this message, he'd be dead. Additionally, he also emailed a suicide letter to the singer of the Pennsylvania-based band Send Request, as Randy had been in contact with them since 2014 since he used some of their music in his videos. Afterwards, he just did as he had been planning for months and opened fire on his co-workers, killing three or four before he turned the gun on himself. Despite the significance of this event, the shooting barely made national news and was quickly forgotten by many. I don't understand how it cannot make national news. No. America's fucked up. I know most of our listeners, watchers, fans, family are American because, um, you know, YouTube tells me uh, like over 50% of the people who watch this are from America. Um, it's a fucked up country that a guy can go into a supermarket where he's working, kill three people and shoot himself and it fucking barely registers. The thing is, though, like in defense of America, it's a big country. Oh, it's a big country. It's a big country and there is a lot of gun crime. And I guess it's, I guess a lot of it is to do with what they put emphasis on. Like yeah. it was just sort of like it's it's that's a weird one. I mean, and with and with, I would have thought that this would have been bigger and more out there just because of the strange circumstances surrounding it. I'm guess I'm guessing this wasn't all released to like the press. It was that he'd gone in, killed people, and shot himself. But none of the sort of YouTube angle or. It was eventually. It was eventually. Um, yeah. Right. So anyway. Yeah. He described in his journal how he hoped that his attack and writings and videos would inspire someone else to commit suicide or murder suicide in the name of EGS. However, this has yet to occur. To this day, the murders have still left an impact on Eaton Township in Pennsylvania. The store where the shooting occurred was closed for a month while authorities investigated and workers remodeled the interior. Obviously, because you don't want people going to the deli counter and saying, ah, this is where he killed himself and taking photos or shit like that. Um, so I'm kind of glad they did that. Yeah. Um, many of the townspeople did not agree with their decision to keep the store. And multiple people stated they would never enter the store again because of what occurred there. But I agree with this one dude who said, if you tear it, the store down or close it, it means that Randy won. Because the evil man who did this would have wanted them to move and would have wanted people to be scared and not want to go to the store after what he did. It also kind of, if they'd have just closed it down and bulldozed it, that's robbing people of jobs. Exactly, and it's also giving him validation for what he did. Yeah. Because, you know, he did that and that's not there anymore. And Remember the virus supermarket? Oh, yeah, he got taken out. Yeah, why? Oh, Randy stared, didn't he? Went in and shot people. It's always going to remember him. They've got it there now. People go in, shop, come out. Um, 
the band as well, San, um, Send Request, um, they made a song called Antisocial War that alluded to Randy and described how the band couldn't believe he had done something so senseless. So, yeah, that was Randy Stare. Wow. So, as we said, it is... If you look at it from our sort of cynical point of view, he was just sort of some sort of edgelord who was like, oh, I'm a failed YouTuber, nobody likes me, I'm going to do this because I want attention, kind of thing. But then when you look into it, it was just somebody struggling with depression, their sexuality, their gender identity, and also like possibly schizophrenia and things like that. Imagine if he actually had a friend he could talk to. Yeah. Or felt he could talk to parents or a co-worker or someone like that, you know, instead of becoming more and more closed off to the point where he felt that he'd the only way out was to commit murder-suicide. It's a social isolation thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know we at the moment we're all in lockdown and stuff and we're batch recording at the moment. So if we do go into full lockdown, we've got shit to release. Yeah. But you've got to, even though he committed this horrible thing, you've got to feel sorry for him on sort of just the human level of, you know, one thing that always harks back to me in, in Bowling for Columbine, when Michael, when everyone's blaming Marilyn Manson, and you've got yeah, that yeah. fucking dude who's like, oh, not everybody who sees a Honda advert is going to buy a Honda. We don't think everyone's going to, but a few will. No, dickhead. Um, and Marilyn Manson's like talking to him and Michael Moore said, if you had Eric and Dylan in front of you now, what would you say to him? And Marilyn Manson says, I wouldn't say a word. I'd just listen. And, you know, you, if you are suffering from any sort of mental health issue and, you know, t- can't say enough, talk to somebody, just friend, uh, family member, someone you trust. Um, tragic case um, could have been averted. I feel. Uh, Definitely. I think a big tragedy here as well was, in a weird way, his big bid for attention, which kind of was a big bid for attention, again, much like his YouTube channel, didn't really get that much attention. Exactly. It's almost like a a really sort of um, twisted metaphor for for his whole sort of existence, almost. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird, and it's really sad. It is really sad, like, genuinely. But, yeah. Yeah. You didn't expect that to end on this solemn note, did you? No, no, but he, still, I uh, I stand by what I say about the underwear. I stand by that. This is the pettiest hill I'll die on. <laughs> you just can't be nice, you just crack. I have to criticise somehow. But, yeah, guys, let us know what you think there. Um, do you think it could have been averted? Do you think he was just struggling with th- too many issues and he could have been saved or do you just think he was an incel edgelord please let us know remember we are on facebook twitter instagram you can email us at enter the dark podcast at gmail.com and remember we have got a patreon now so if you do wish to join the sick fuck family and support us you can head to patreon.com slash enter the dark also the link will be coming up and in the description for the uh, merchandise the t-shirts masks and all that stuff um i will leave i will get all the videos and stuff in a google drive and put the and share the link down there so you can watch the videos and read the journals 
Um, I think I've got the autopsy report as well. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. Um, the only thing that won't be released is the CCTV, uh, because he wanted that release so people could see everything he'd done, so that's under lock and key. That won't ever yeah, come out. No. Um, but, yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm Jan from Enter the, du- from Enter the Dark. I'm Jan from Film Daddy. This is Les from Tales from the Hangman. Take care. See you later. Bye.